Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by awesome co-hosts, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I am doing great. And my bro host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? Ah, uh, many a sleepless night lately uh, from babies. Let me tell you, they make noise all hours. And that's why you play two-hour puzzle games. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, this was a good one. This was a good... If I can say one thing for short games, it's that you can fit them in to a uh, to a schedule where you are constantly being interrupted by uh, the, 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 the physical needs of, of a tiny human who can do nothing for him, himself. This week we're talking about a game that is roughly one to two baby naps long. Yes. Gorogoa. Uh, Gorogoa is a puzzle game. Uh, it's it's a game that I'm I'm frankly very worried. I've been like nervous about this episode in a way that I haven't quite experienced in a while or maybe at all. Uh, because this is a game that just almost completely defies description. It's an extremely interesting game, but I'm I'm wondering whether we'll truly be able to kind of explain it in only audio because it's such an intensely visual experience. But I'm hoping that one of you guys will kind of say, swoop in and save me with the perfect description of Gorogoa. I'll give it a try. So first of all, the first thing you're going to notice is it's a beautifully illustrated game. Um, you have this kind of four panel square setup and... As you start interacting with these uh, lovely panels, you're shifting them to the side, revealing layers underneath them. You're superimposing one on top of another. Two things might you know, blend in the edges to each other. So when you put them next to each other, they become the same location. It's a really transformative game. It's a puzzle box that is very 2D, but it's got a lot of depth to it. Yeah, it's... Um... I think the, the the most important thing about the game to me is it's a it's a game where you are exploring these tableaus and slowly realizing that they are linked together and it's making the connection between the different images in a way that um, that is the kind of goal of the puzzle. Uh, if I can compare it to one thing. Uh, I kept thinking of Mad Foldins. Remember Mad <laughs> Foldins? Wow! And Mad yes. Foldins, you you had a picture, and then there was a dotted line, and you'd fold the picture, and it would make a totally different picture, and it was usually you know played for a joke. Here, um, you've got these panels between like you know two and four of these panels, and you're dragging them around, uh, and the um, the panels, each of them are independently interactive and so you can zoom in to different places on the picture and sometimes tap on certain things to to do something and um and as you as you do that you shift things around and uh eventually try and line things up and and, but it's all about creating these scenes uh that you don't you don't have any instructions on how to create the scenes you just have to experiment and see where the dotted line that you fold things on uh, actually is. Yeah, two things will look completely different. And then through the interactions, you'll reveal something that looks like a parallel. And you aren't even sure necessarily if it's going to work, but you put two things next to each other or on top of each other 
or shift it around and suddenly the whole game breaks open. It's a puzzle game where unlike a lot of games, you don't know what you have to accomplish and the difficulty is the execution. Here, it's all about the aha moment. You're moving around things and you kind of reveal what you might have to do next. There's a lot of, there's no obvious hints until you've started playing a while and you realize the mechanics you know, are building on top of another. Well, there there are absolutely obvious hints. Um, I got to disagree with you there. The, um, the, the, the most obvious is that uh, anything that's tappable uh, will fire off these little ripples. Um, and in a game where 90% of what you're doing is trying to figure out what to tap on in, in what order, just having that, I think, is, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty heavily clued experience. I don't think anyone going through this game would find themselves, like, significantly lost. It's, it's a puzzle game, but it's not extremely puzzling it's more it, it has the it has the, the the look and feel of a of a puzzle but it's more of an exploration game i think i can at least sort of chime in and say that as the person on this on this show least likely to finish puzzle games uh i, I completed it without any trouble so like how hard it is not really a concern um but it is a, a remarkable journey um the one thing i'm kind of concerned about here is that we've just kind of described the game the the trouble with this game i think is that even if you're describing its mechanics in a fairly concrete way it sounds like you're speaking in generalities because it's this uh it's it's this very sort of wordless experience that's all about just you know moving things around on a screen and uh and trying to discover connections between them which sounds like a weird generality or like a uh, it sounds like we're trying, be, you know, we're trying not to describe the specifics of what you're doing, um, but we are. It's just very hard. Um, let me give you a very concrete example of, of one of the the first uh, interactions that you have in this game. Uh, and by doing so, I'll try and also describe sort of the story. The game has a story, which is uh, kind of unraveled wordlessly throughout it. So the game starts with a a single panel of a young boy looking out the window at a city. And it's not, it's this beautiful illustration of a city. It's hard to tell if it's any particular place. It looks a little bit fantastical, but a little bit grounded out of a window. And then uh, past that window walks a really enormous, I guess, dragon creature. And uh, from what I've read, this creature is the titular Gorogoa. This fantastically colored dragon walks by his window. And the first thing the boy does is get out an encyclopedia volume and start leafing through it, trying to find out what this thing was. And, you know, he looks at a page of coral and he looks at a page of bugs. And finally, there's a page of this dragon. And his thoughts appear in a kind of a rectangular thought bubble above his head that when you tap on it becomes a new panel. And then you can zoom back out of that and he's now got some new ideas visually about this. And the first thing that you need to do is try to try to start him on his presumably journey of trying to find the Gorogoa, or I don't know what his exact goal is, but it seems to be a sort of a spiritual journey of connecting with this unknown or otherworldly creature. Um, so uh, just a very brief example would be that y- y- there is a door out his window far off in the distance. And 
uh, the first thing that you'll probably do is tap on that door and uh, and zoom in on it. And uh, the boy walks in a separate panel over to his closet. And so now if you've zoomed in on the door that's distant out the window in one panel and you've zoomed in on the closet in the other panel, you can then shift the frame of the door from the window over top of the frame of the door from the closet. And suddenly the boy is no longer in his own apartment. He's out on this distant rooftop. Um, and that's just one super small example of like what concretely exactly we're talking about here is that you have multiple different scenes and it's rarely clear how they connect. They usually don't connect spatially. Um, but then you can move or rearrange them in ways that they do have these connections. These two doors were in exactly the same place and lined up. Uh, this ribbon in one scene resembles a river on a map in another scene, and they line up in a way that allows you to move something between the two panels. Um, you know, a, a rock is falling uh, in, in one panel, and you can place something for it to hit in another panel by arranging those panels next to each other. And it's finding those little connections or details between the panels uh, that kind of allows the boy to progress on his journey from place to place throughout his, you know, sort of a journey of discovering this creature. Yeah, and to clarify what... Um when I said earlier that it was obvious, Shane, you're completely right, that it is definitely always fair and that the hint system of where to tap is very, I'm very grateful for it after doing some, you know, Machinarium and other games where I would oh, have man. loved something And like now that. I'll mention you can actually turn that off in the settings. Uh, I, I can imagine some people being a little bothered by that, but really all you're doing is setting yourself up for extra taps. Yeah, but what I really appreciate is that the game gets out of your way and lets you explore, knowing you're going to back in and out of panels, you're going to maybe you know, need to look around a bit to figure out what you want to do next. It's not, um, it's not a game that initially, you know, you're not going to always get it right the first time, you're going to be kind of moving things around and experimenting, and it definitely wants you to do that. A couple times I got the you know, puzzle solution very quickly. And I almost felt a little cheated because I wanted to look around the space more, see what was there. Um, I think that one of the nicest things about this is that it's kind of naturally got chapter systems. Yeah. Um, it's not a one puzzle, one solution. Each, you know, you're getting these balls um, to put into a, a blue bowl. Again, it sounds very metaphorical, but you're literally <laughs> getting these balls and putting them in a blue bowl. And, uh, each one of those might be a series of two or three little moments of insight put together so that you really get this satisfying chapter conclusion feel. And you can actually use the menu to jump back and forth to those if you're showing off the game or want to look back at a spot you liked particularly well. But a lot of two-hour games skip that kind of chapter. They assume you're going to do one sitting, one moment of accomplishment by the end. I really, really loved breaking my experience into little bits and having a satisfying moment because I did need to do it in a couple sittings um, mm -hmm. and wanted that moment of accomplishment so I could put it down, pick it back up, and not worry about having lost all of this knowledge about where all of the doors were. It's very good at, at not letting you get lost, even when 
towards the middle of the game, it really kind of opens up and you have four panels on screen, each of which has the possibility of navigating between uh, several different scenes and different zoom levels, I guess. Um, Lots of different possible combinations. And yet it, it really does a great job of like... I wouldn't say guiding you through things because it really does expect you to, to like figure it out yourself, but it, it it's, it's never overwhelming. And that's something I really appreciated about this game is that it's, it's a really manageable game for people, even who don't like puzzle games. Like I'm, I'm that guy. I, I, I'm really terrible with puzzle games, but this game just made me feel smart the entire time. I never felt stuck. It's really beautifully, uh, I don't know, beautiful. it's a smooth uh, experience. I would actually say, I don't think that, so, you know, of course we are a games podcast and we try and cover games and uh, we're very broad in what we categorize as a game, but there's an argument to be made that this is not purely a game or not primarily a game. To me, it is more of a piece of art, um, that, like a piece of interactive art, um, it has more in common with a children's book, I think, than it does with a um, with a puzzle, for example. Like it, it reminds me of uh, the way that you kind of fall into these pictures in, in a way. Reminds me a lot of like Powers of Ten, where you're kind of zooming in and and seeing that you know things are are very different on different scales, or um, like. It's uh, it's inspired by a, a book that I had as a kid called. Um, th- and this one I read in an interview. He said it's inspired by a book called Maze. Uh, that um, I remember uh, having when we were kids, and it was it was like a book where there was like a like a puzzle within the book, but it was more just about uh, finding the connections between these images, right? You know, you you find the um, uh, the answers, the clues. Uh, to go from from section to section, um, so I, to me, it feels like it feels like a a, a a a it feels more inspired by like those really fancy pop up picture books where there's something hidden everywhere. You know, it's not something where there's like an objective. It's more like something where there's a a progression that you're gonna you're gonna fall through and flow through. Well, I don't know. Yes, all of that, yes. And I think it's a really good puzzle game. Like, I think this has uh, has better puzzles than most games that I've played. You know, this is about discovering connections. And what are puzzles except discovering connections? Um, I, I think the, the, the thing that really, really worked for me about this is that it's it's a so it's a it's a sort of a, a spiritual story, right? It has a story. This this boy is, sees this otherworldly thing and and wants to know it, and then the game plays out with scenes across this boy's entire life, uh, starting, which in, in a way that sort of looks like a, kind of a timeline of the twentieth century. Like it starts with uh, you know with peace, and then there is a, there is war, and then there is rebuilding, and. Uh, you see the boy at different ages throughout this, sometimes multiple ages at a, at the same time in different panels. Um, and so it's this it's this sort of story of a life spent in search of meaning or connection with this creature or or idea dragon. that the creature yeah dragon or whatever this dragon represents. Um, 
And the puzzles are all about the sort of feeling of like looking out your window and trying to find connections between things in your world. You know, I, I think that's what really is like great about this game is that like the puzzles feel like this sort of natural discovery, but they are all these cute or clever or just amazing little aha moments of like finding something that just perfectly slots into place with something else. The images that keep repeating are men of different age looking over books and thinking and learning new things or people reaching kind of a point where they can't go further and thinking about what they might do next. Like those are the only, there's nobody talking in this game. There's not even like a little, you know, talk bubbles or two people have a fake dialogue tree where people go, mar, 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 mar. there's none of that. Yeah. There's not a single word apart from the title screen. It's just people reading, thinking, contemplating, um, or doing kind of ritualistic spiritual practices. Like that's, that's what people do in this game. And it's really interesting to me that it feels so quiet. And so, I mean, the sound design is great actually. Oh yeah. But it feels very focused, uh, very contemplative. And I like a game where you're asked to kind of study and sit and poke around. Yeah. It's not, um, we play a lot of games that are, you know, going to pump you up and, uh, really rile you up and, uh, shoot a lot of things. And this game is a lot more, I wouldn't say you should play it before bed. I wouldn't say it's necessarily going to put you to sleep or anything, but it is very solitary. I thought it was sort of me- meditative is the word that I would use. Like it's, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it did not put me to sleep by any measure. It was very no. fascinating, but it, it felt it, it, it was, it was very meditative for me. And this was probably the most like a Zen two hours I've spent with my iPhone. I played a big chunk of it uh, with my wife, kind of the two of us, passing the phone back and forth and uh, trying to trying to figure things out. And that was really enjoyable being able to kind of talk your way through it and, and uh, make those connections. It's so wordless that there's um, like you, if you're wa- trying to play with somebody, you can't explain to them what you want them to do in a lot of cases. That was kind of funny. Like it's, it's like, Oh, just give it to me uh, here <laughs> yeah. and I'll, I'll move this here, move this there and tap this. Okay. Boom. We Lord got help it. you. If you're trying to do like a, whoever's trying yeah. to write a non video walkthrough of this game, like impossible. Yeah, no. I'm sure the game fact on this is going to be impossible. Gifts only. <laughs> yeah. But I, the, the thing I, I, I was thinking about the most as I was playing it, like the game that it's most similar to. And the reason I thought, uh, I thought my wife Julia would really like it, and it turned out she did. Is it's in a lot of ways similar to hidden object games. Um, there's a few really good games in this genre, and a huge number of really really bad games in this genre. Like if you if you think about like um, back back to the back to comparing it to books, but um, where's Waldo? You know, um, and uh, this year I've been playing a lot of. Um, Hidden Folks, which is a really tremendous uh, hidden object game. And it's it's these kinds of games are are all about looking at a big, complex, beautiful picture and finding the next thing, right? The things that you're trying to find. This game is exactly that. The difference is that you can't see the whole picture all at once you have to kind of assemble the picture yourself and then find what you're looking for. So 
um, you know, that, ex- that that extra and kind of novel kind of interaction, I think, makes it work in a much more um, you know, entertaining way, just much more fun. Yeah, I know that uh, fans of graphic novels, uh, the designer and developer of this game uh, did mention that he was inspired by Chris Ware's graphic novel work. Oh, yeah. Um, he does a lot of, he wrote building stories and a lot of other books where it's about people, but in within larger places and a lot of, you know, the interior structures of buildings and kind of how this kind of collage feel to graphic novels is something he wanted to put into this game. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about the developer of this game, because I think the development story of this is is, is pretty interesting on its own. Um, this is the work of a single guy. Uh, his name is... Shit, let me give it Jason again. Roberts. Thank you. Uh, his name is Jason Roberts, and he's, in a lot of places I've seen, he's described as a former uh, professional programmer or developer. Um, so I guess he sort of uh, left a career in in non-games uh, tech work in order to work on this project. Um, and it's entirely his work from, well, I guess uh, apart from the sound. Uh, so he is, he did all the illustration and animation. He did all the game design uh, and all the programming and created this thing uh, that, I mean, it's extremely unique and it's extremely sort of like the vision and, and design of a single guy. Um, and what I, what I think is really interesting about it is that this, this is a game that took a really long time for him to create. This is a two hour game that took over five years to come out. Um, he released a demo of the game all the way back in 2012. And this was just like a publicly released demo. And he then kept working on the project and refining it and revising it and, and, you know, uh, and adding on to and taking away from it for five years. I, I actually saw seven from someone else. That's incredible. Yeah, no, you're right. Seven years. Wait, how long has it been since? And, and what I think is so fascinating about that is that he kept the scope so small, e- even after all of that time. Um, like this was, apparently there are tons uh, of puzzles and scenes that were left on the cutting room floor uh, in, during this project. Pretty much everything from the original demo from 2012 is gone from the, the the full game. And there have been multiple versions. He apparently showed it at some shows in 2014 where it won a bunch of awards, um, but still took several years after that to come out. Even most of the content of that version of the game it ended up on the cutting room floor because he he did not leave a single thing in this game that did not feel like uh, like it added to the the whole the amount of play testing that must have gone into this is really astounding because um I, I think my limited experience with writing puzzles for people to solve um when i was working on microsoft puzzle day i found out the difference between a really good uh puzzle writer and someone else is the person who's willing to cut and cut and cut and cut and cut and have 13 ideas and end up with one good puzzle. Um, the people who were too attached uh, really ended up with messes. And I think it's a lot more ingenious because he was uh, willing to abandon you know, probably gorgeous hand-drawn art that was unclear. This is a lot more, there's a lot more depth um, both literal and metaphorical to each picture because I think he really, really thought through the design of this. Yeah, and 
the, the length of the game is really important here. I mean, I know we, we constantly celebrate short games, um, but like he did an interview with uh, Rock Paper Shotgun, uh, where he was talking specifically about the length of the game, um, and you know th- about how this game was uh, in development for so long and was refined over such a long period. Um, and one of the things he said there was, "I'm really happy the game isn't longer. Uh, I've had." a game that was about two hours long for maybe the last two years and have spent the time since refining that two hour game rather than extending the length. Everyone will have to trust me that this was the right choice. Although I know not everyone will. My point is the length isn't merely the result of limited resources. It was very important to me that every scene in the game have a legitimate reason to exist within the narrative, at least within my own mind, while simultaneously functioning as a piece of the puzzle. So, like, I really love that perspective that, like, this enormous game by terms of, like, how much of this guy's life went into creating this thing is this finely polished, tiny experience. And this is without a doubt, one of the most polished things I've ever played on the iPhone. Um, and it's out on other platforms too. We didn't really talk about the platforms this is on. This is on Steam, on both Mac and PC, I think. And it's on uh, iOS, uh, plays great on iOS, and also on the Nintendo Switch, which is nice because this is such a touchscreen-oriented game. Um, if you're looking for a, a neat game to play on the Switch and you want something touchscreen-oriented, um, you know, this is a, a really great option. Um, I played it on the iPhone. But, like, the only game that I can think of playing on the iPhone that even remotely measures up to this in level of polish is Monument Valley. Um, like, and, and, and I actually saw a lot in common between this and Monument Valley, which we've talked about on the show before. Monument Valley is a phenomenal game. Um, but, like, this, I think I like this even better. Like, this, it, it it, there was a bit in the middle of Monument Valley where I felt like it started to drag a little bit. Like, uh, you know, it, I, I thought it, it was it was a good length, but this is just so perfect. It's just such a perfectly polished little experience. Um, yeah, it does feel like it was kind of made just for us. <laughs> yeah, I like the obscure story on this game a lot better than the obscure story in Monument Valley. Uh, I, if I have one thing, one kind of um, one critique I'll level at this game, I I just. I, 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 the art is very good, but it, I didn't find it very expressive, you know, like it's, it has this, um, draft, the draftsmanship of the artwork is incredible. It's full of these, um, you know, scenes of buildings and objects that are, um, you know, incredibly ornate. And even the, you know, the title Dragon Goragoa is, just beautifully, incredibly ornate, and um, and in particular, that character is very colorful. But most of the game is is composed of these very drab scenes that are drawn in a very kind of functional way, and don't to me have like a strong style or voice, if that makes sense to you. That's very, uh, very. It, it looks like an architect's drawing, you know, more more so than an illustration. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. The the art style reminded me most of like sort of naturalist illustrations, or you know, the kinds of things that you might find in uh, you know an illustrated encyclopedia. Um, I think it's beautiful, uh, but it, it it definitely has this sort of uh, style that seems like it's trying very hard to 
depict a realistic scene. Um, you know, it's, it, it resembles like a, like a pencil sketch, but like a really, really accurate pencil sketch, you know, colored pencils and all, but it's an interesting point. It's, it's not like a stylish look to the game. It's like, it's very, uh, draftsman-y. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clear what you're looking at. I, 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 if, if I, I mean, for a game that to me is an experience that's primarily an, an artistic one, it, the, the art feels very, um, well, I mean, you know, it does the job. Well, the color is really interesting because it's often neutral gray or kind of a warm sand color or, you know, a very dim lighting. And you tend to see a lot of neon and brightness and a lot of games coming out. I think that it's almost a somber palette, which makes it when it pops into a really bright scene, you know, outside in a summery day or uh, when you have something that um, is a very vibrant color, it has this weird extra energy to it. So to me, the contrast worked, but I can definitely see that uh, a lot of stuff is kind of that kind of drab muted palette is is a lot of the game. Um Definitely intentionally so, but I can see how that would kind of, uh, it sets a mood. Yeah. I'll put it that way. It sets a mood. And something that I think kind of defines the art style for me is just sort of this level of almost extreme detail in the illustrations. Um, the, the thing that's really so so interesting about it is that you're constantly zooming in and out on these scenes. Um, and it maintains this level of detail throughout. So like if you... Um, you might see like a, 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 a cart that's being wheeled along and the wheel has a little design or pattern on it and it's very detailed and you can tell that, but if you tap and zoom in on that wheel, um, it does an extremely smooth animation where you're zooming in on that wheel and it reveals new detail as it comes out. And it feels like everything is like these ultra detailed, um, illustrations and it, it gives you this feeling that, like, I could zoom in on any part of this. Obviously, you can't zoom in on literally any part of this. But it feels like there's this almost fractal-like uh, aspect to this art where it's like, no matter how close or far you get, there's this sort of fixed level of, of detail that I, I thought that, that art style just, it really appealed to me. I, I, I can see the, the, uh, the points that you're making, Shane, but, like, I just, I just love the way this game looks. One of the most obscure parts of this game is probably the story. It's, of course, presented wordlessly. So as we kind of get into talking about it, I would probably put all of the story, as we're about to discuss it, uh, behind a spoiler break, uh, whether or not it's something that really can be spoiled, because the story itself is, it's, uh, I'll say it's a little bit uh, obscure and you know, for for such a short game, it would be it'd be be easy to uh, easy to ruin, especially if we start discussing the specifics of particular puzzles. So, uh, are you guys ready to chat about the story of this game? I'm not sure. I have much to add uh, about the story of the game uh, it, it, uh, that we haven't already discussed, but I'm happy to 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 give it a shot post spoiler break. Uh, before we do that, uh, just for those of you who aren't going to be continuing with us past the spoiler break, I, I'm imagining. Uh, you'll you'll know better than I will looking at the uh, the time clock on your on your podcast player how much we talk about the uh, the actual story of the game past the spoiler break. 
But if you're leaving us at this point, uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. I've been Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K, that's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K, or you can find our show on the web at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form. We want to hear from you about games that you're excited for in 2018, things that we should be keeping our eye on. Um, the holidays is always a kind of a slow time for game releases, but we're finally past that now, and hopefully we're going to be seeing some really interesting stuff in the new year here. So if you play a short game or see one on the horizon that you're interested in, uh, let us know. Um, you can also find our show on Twitter at underscore short game. And of course you can find us on all of the podcast platforms, iTunes, etc. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J Nash and Shane, where can people find you? Also Twitter at eight bit Shane. And then here it is your spoiler break. In a world of indie games with obscure stories, this one has even less in the toolbox. I mean, we just get a little bits of fleeting images. That said, I mean, I think we all can agree that it's one person and not just like random scholarly old men. Um, to me, the first time that I kind of was super surprised was when um, the kid falls from the dragon and that's why he's in a wheelchair. Did that surprise anybody else? Oh, you know, I guess I didn't put He's, that together, like, but you're right. This kid is falling from a dragon. So at the end of the game, for people who didn't listen to us and are playing, again, it's 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 a very obscure plot. It's not like this is not a sp puzzle solution, but you give your tokens to the dragon and then you f the kid falls and then right before he hits the ground, it's a memory of a guy, an older version of the kid in a wheelchair. And I was yeah. like, oh, Ouch. the kid fell from the sky and broke his something. I think what so the, the key image of the game for me that kind of illustrates what the what the the story is about is that when he initially sees that image of the of the dragon in his encyclopedia or whatever he's reading through, he sees that picture of the bowl with the, the like six or was it five, five. Uh, balls, you know, or uh, whatever. And then it's being Fruit. held Fruit up balls. by uh, a young man and an old man. And obviously like that's, that's him throughout his life. So this is a, a, a this is the story of him trying to find this connection with this otherworldly thing and it's a journey that takes him his entire life now the actual specifics like i don't know how much story or or you know action we can really describe here other than that he's progressing through the ages of his life from his youth to middle age to old age and throughout that time, he's looking for these spheres of, I don't know, knowledge, whatever. Um, spirit orbs. Yeah, They're spirit, spirit orbs. orbs. Sure. <laughs> yeah. They look just like the ones in Zelda. <laughs> yeah, I guess they do. It's more symbolic than uh, than anything else. I, I can't imagine that it, like, it, it feels a bit to me like leafing through the photographs of a person's life and trying to reconstruct a story when you don't really know how much time has taken place between any of these things. Um, it's just flashes of images of this 
this man at different times of his life throughout it, probably, you know, decades. Yeah, I, I think it's a the the most interesting thing is kind of what's going on around the man. Um, he's done a really good job of making the um, the different kind of ages of his life have sort of different surroundings in different ways. Like uh, when he's when he's older, you see him working in his work. Well, you see him frequently just sort of sitting at a desk or working working in his workshop. Like there's a there's a time where he's intently studying but he's surrounded by like war outside it's like you know the bombs are shaking the building and all that is of a piece with the you know the entire scene like your 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 scene is being shaken by these explosions and and that's part of how you solve that puzzle um and he's also got some like emotional life to it like there's a there's a scene where he's younger and i think it must be after he is crippled but before the war and he's looking out of a window and contemplating jumping out like he and he's thinking about killing himself and that was that was one of the most interesting scenes to me just because like you, you start to get a sense of this guy as a person and and then you also in solving the puzzle like he sort of makes the decision like def- almost defeated not to leap out the window there were there were moments that I couldn't really figure out, and a lot of them were the the boy version of the of the main character, who's actually going through the process of collecting things. He's mainly like show character distinguished by having this little red shirt on and and looks different from the other instances of the of the man, I guess. And as that character, you're going through some pretty oddball um, scenes, like you're walking from painting to painting or from photograph to photograph on a wall and you're um, climbing up a ladder that's actually a um, train track map a or <laughs> train track you know tracks from a from a train map and and it gets much more bizarre and at, at having that most active version of the character be the young one before any of this sort of more real stuff has happened to him I think is interesting and it, maybe it says something about the character but I, I I don't know if I you guys have any thoughts about that I can't quite parse it out to me it felt like they started off with um, the boy was collecting things but for some reason the first sacrifice the first offering failed and the first offering failed and the rest of his life he's been gaining knowledge to find out how to fix it. So his former self, you know, it's kind of, you know, I failed at this point. So the rest of my life, I'm going to study up and find out what I should have done and then kind of go back in time and help my younger self solve the puzzles properly. That's what the last chapter felt like. I'm going to kill me that Goragoa for taking my legs. <laughs> yeah, or, or I'm going to no. properly <laughs> sacrifice that to the Goragora because it seemed like the last chapter was kind of going back fruit by fruit, spirit orb by spirit orb, and re-solving the problem so that the boy could make a successful sacrifice. I love when games do that, by the way, that sort of like last act that kind of retells with with a twist and much faster the earlier acts of the game. I kind of love that. And this game did a wonderful job with that. Um, I, I always sort of thought of the, the like young boy character as representing the 
will and spirit of the man rather than sort of directly uh, being him in most of those scenes because you are seeing him age and everything and then and then this young version of him is continuing on to to do all all you know accomplish all of his goals um it, it did sort of feel like he was it's like a it's a journey of the spirit right you know this is a game it's a very spiritual game and a quote I really liked from an, the, the developer did an interview with Kotaku, and one of the things he was talking about about the story uh, was he said, uh, "I think the character, I think of the character as a mystic. He's devoted to something outside the world and trying to find it." And I really love that. Like this is this is the story of someone who is devoted to this idea of this creature, this the Gorogoa, and he is trying to find it his entire life. And so the the game plays out as, you know, mostly metaphor, I think, metaphor for his spiritual journey to try and find this uh, this creature or to connect with this otherworldly thing or experience. Um, yeah, it, it feels a little silly to, to, like, have a spoiler break on something that's so intensely metaphorical, but it, it's, uh, I think every element of this game is is this, like, large-scale metaphor for a spiritual journey and the specifics of that spiritual journey we can't really put our hand, our finger on it's whatever it means to you i think well this has been a really fun game to play and a really wonderful uh game to start 2017 with um, 18 2018 i'm gonna be writing 2017 on my checks for the next year but it is 2018 you know how I know you're old? It's because you write checks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wish I didn't have to. Check burn. Yes, uh, 2018 is off with a to a good start with this game. One of my biggest hopes for 2018 is that we find more games this short. So, huh. uh, listeners, I want to thank you for all the wonderful suggestions. This was a very heavily recommended game. Yeah, thank you so much to all the listeners who suggested that we play this. Um you know, I, I should have probably collected a list of names before so I could specifically call folks out, but you know who you are. Who are. Yeah, thank you for recommending this game, uh, listeners and Twitter friends. Yes, absolutely. And um, if you have other games that are this short, uh, I, that, this, is, this is perfect. I was able to finish this game uh, and still raise my child. So I want to thank each of you. <laughs> for recommending it and i want to thank this game for existing and we should mention where people can find this i mentioned earlier that it's on uh steam on ios and on the uh on the switch i played it on ios because frankly this is a great game on ios and it is five dollars on ios which is an absurd steal for a game this polished uh, but on other platforms it's a bit more shout out to the ios build because it has excellent sync ability to go between your phone and your iPad. So if you have both devices, um, if you have a smaller phone but want to keep playing, uh, that works perfectly. Yes, it does. Looks beautiful on an iPad. And I, I thought it looked really, really great on the iPhone. I'm, I have a, a, a iPhone 7 Plus, and uh, the game has a really nice feature on the plus-size phones, and I assume probably on the smaller phones as well. Uh, I don't think this is in the desktop, you know, the Windows and and 
actually I just found out it's not on Mac, so the Windows version of the game, uh, I don't think has the, the sort of zoom feature, but on the phone, to compensate for the smaller screen, you can at any time kind of increase the size or zoom in on any one of the four panels, and it does that incredibly fluidly. It just, it just felt completely natural. So the iOS version, I don't think you are losing anything by playing this on uh, an iOS device, and you're saving 10 bucks. So, uh, you know, I, I think play this on whatever platform you want to play it on, but don't feel like you'd be losing anything by playing the less expensive iOS version. It is a phenomenal iOS game. Uh, but if you do decide to buy it on Steam, you can get a bundle with Edith Finch. So if you missed Edith Finch earlier uh, or late last year, uh, you can uh, get both games and get a little discount, which is nice. Yeah, I just want to say Annapurna Interactive has come onto the scene over the course of this last year and are doing nothing but releasing stuff that is um, really super good and artistically beautiful. So nice work, guys. Yeah, tons of stuff on here. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch and this game, both phenomenal games. Uh, coming hopefully later this year, published by them, Donut County, which that's something we've been looking for forever. Um, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition uh, apparently was published by them, something that we have been meaning to play for this show for a very long time and just seem to have not been getting around to it. Um, well, we were also were kind of waiting on a couple more of the yeah. episodes to come out. Yeah, they did the iOS port of Flower, um, which is a game that I've been meaning to play for a long time. It seems their way of doing things is, or at least if this game's game is any uh, any indication is that they're they're out there looking for games that are beautiful, are toured, uh, interesting, interactive experiences that might have a wide appeal, and they're putting uh, some money and a real advertising budget behind them. They sort of swooped in with Gorogoa when he was just about to run out of money, and gave him some funding that he needed to finish the game, and also helped uh, promote it. And that's, I think, a really great sort of model for a publisher is this sort of, I, I like to, I've been seeing a lot of publishers uh, have this sort of more um, record label kind of vibe to them uh, over the last few years. These indie publishers who uh, are not out there looking for games that are all the same, uh, either mechanically or whatever. They're just all games that are kind of collect connected by a certain kind of aesthetic. I think these guys and Devolver Digital would be good examples of this, where they have this sort of record label vibe. They are collecting together things that fit a certain, not exactly aesthetic, but like just, uh, just ethos. Uh, and uh, helping bring them out and making sure that they're promoted to people who are going to care. And so I think this is great. Like, I, I'm really glad to see Annapurna, um, you know, doing this. And just based on their slate of games, I think they are a, a publisher to keep an eye on. This year, they have uh, something that I know is going to be up your alley, Reagan. Uh, it's called, it's coming out this year called Florence. And it's a uh, interactive novel about love. We talked about that. Isn't that um, who is it that's making that? Um, I was very excited about that. Um, one of the designers of Monument Valley. That's yes, it. yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it looks very. I, cute. When I uh, when I saw when I saw that that it was a uh, interactive novel uh, and it was a love story, I was like, hmm, Reagan's a big softy. 
<laughs> it's me. You know me. I think I just looked at the the art and was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna like this. Yeah, the art looks I super hope. cute. Um, and they're they're also publishing Watam, which is from the Katamari Damasi uh, uh, creator. Who, um, I mean, has he done anything since Nobby Nobby Boy? This might be his first thing since that. Yeah, I don't, I, I missed the boat on Nobby Nobby Boy. You know, yeah, I, I do not know. That. I don't. I don't I think, think you really. I missed think that game. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting year. 2018, year of the short games. Calling it now. Yep. I Again, I said that about 2017. Yep, and 16. I think every year since 2014 has been the year of the short game. So thank you guys for joining us on this episode of the short game. We already did all of our admin before the spoiler break, so I'll just leave it with thank you guys for listening. iTunes reviews. Ha <laughs> ha.